so Isaiah 42. And is it going to show it? Wait. Oh, goodness. Maybe. Maybe. Because this is what I did last week. I could see it on my screen, but it won't show it. Oh, my Lord. Okay. Well, this is why I brought my Bible. So. Yeah. Got mine right here. I'm going to have to figure out why this is doing this. Isaiah 40, that's right. That is right. Isaiah 42. Let's see here. Way back over here where it's starting. Okay. Can we turn, can I turn the light on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's... Harder to now see. You really gotta see. Is, uh, it, is uh, it the up or is it a no, switch? No, oh, Okay. See if it's still too dim. I might have to bring you that. Light oh, that that works. Yeah. Sure, it's not too dim. No, I'm good. Thank okay, you. That's I good. Bring you a lamp. Not quite there yet. <laughs> oh, what for the lamp? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Here is my servant whom I upheld or uphold. My chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. So right there, I want to point out, because a lot of people try to draw this distinction between this idea that... <laughs> Is that enough other people talking? <laughs> Um, but a lot of people try and suggest that that salvation was something that you could only be saved after Jesus did what he did and they try and draw this distinction between well in the New Testament the spirit is in you and in the Old Testament the spirit could only be on you but it's the way pronouns work yeah. in Greek and Hebrew, they kind of mean, depending on the context, all the same thing. In and on, it's it's the same. You know, um, it, it's it's really not making that distinction. Uh, so let me call. Hold on, Sarah's going to join us here. So, so we've got him saying, I will put my spirit, and I'm trying to find which, which verse is it. I think it's... Mama. Let me see. Hi, I'm bringing you in. So, so he's saying, I will put my spirit in me on him. Justice to the nations he will bring. Um... He will not shout or cry out. We're, we're doing Isaiah 42. There. Yeah, just, yeah, we're in two. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. 
He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord said. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it, or walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. So one of the things, Lisa, that that makes me think of is God God does it, not us. God does it. It's we're, he's, he's not at our whim. He's not at our, I've got it all figured out, mercy. Right. He does it. To open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. And this is, if you go to, um, is it in Matthew when Yeshua is teaching and this is what he reads from? Hmm? In Matthew, this is what this is what he reads. Yeah, do you, yeah. When they get all excited, and then he says, "But it's not for you. It's for all the people you kept out. Yeah, the ones you said weren't good enough. That's who I'm going to do this for." Oh yeah. And then they start plotting his death. Right. They take him out and try to throw him over the cliff and wow. kill him right there. Oh, yeah, they did not he like. Was from Isaiah. No, no, Abdal, why did you do that? Come here. I had no, you just went over there and took it. Come on now. I woke up and touched it first. It's mine all day she's long. Okay she's okay with it. <laughs> no. So, it was, I will, okay, I am the Lord. That is my name. Okay. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. See, and a lot of people will will reference that and say, see, God did away with all that old stuff. Right. Except he's saying this through Isaiah. He's saying this way, way, way before. You can't, just because Yeshua says this is being accomplished in this day doesn't mean that you can then pull the verse he didn't read and go, and now God's doing away with all the old stuff. Right. All the old stuff doesn't count. It's And he's not saying... I'm doing away with them. He said, what he's saying right there is everything I have ever declared has happened. That's what he's saying. He's saying the former things have taken place. What I said was going to happen, happened. Which means when I say something is going to happen, you can trust it's going to happen. That's what he's saying. He's saying, look and see that I keep my word. So now when I declare this to you, this is true. My Bible says before they sprout, I tell you about them. Yes. Yes. And we and we and we know too if we're listening. Mhm. Right. Before what sprouts? The new things, before new things, things happen, before they Yeah. The way mine says before they I tell you about them before they spring into being. Okay. I announce them to you. That's kind of like Lisa's <clears throat> Torah portion, how he told 
each one his right what was gonna happen what their life like Judas the lion mm-hmm. you know, and um. what's gonna happen with them you see what I'm saying uh-huh. now were you truly listening to me cause you should've been they should've been passing that on mm-hmm. they could've learned a lot from well, and what Jacob said. Right. Well, and that's what the book that I have, that's what it, it talks about, what those things mean. So they a lot have listened, and that's, yeah. you know, it's, it's, um, it's really interesting to, to see how those things happen. Like, I think we're in the month for Dan right now, uh-huh. and it talks about him being a, uh, the snake. Mm-hmm. And the thing I was reading is when they traveled through the wilderness, or, you know, when they were traveling through the wilderness, Judah led at the front. Mm-hmm. And it was this idea that we, even when you see the tail of the lion, you know you better be on guard. Oh, yes. And the snake was that Dan traveled at the back. Yeah. Because it's the, the mouth of the snake right. that has the power. Right, sure is. So the 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 front of Dan was at the back of all of Israel, mm-hmm. holding them accountable at the back. Yeah, which I thought was really neat that they they followed the lion, and all they needed of the lion was the tail. But the mouth of Dan at the back was what kept them moving forward from behind. And and also they showed what you were talking about last week, Lisa. Mm-hmm. How to me it was like an elimination of. Uh, Who's the first one? Oh, Reuben. Reuben. And then Simeon and Levi. And they're going to talk about all of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how why they were eliminated and why Judah became the head. Yeah, exactly. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the ends of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it. You islands and all who live in them. Let the desert and its towns raise their voices. Let the settlements where Kedar lives rejoice. Let the people of Sepha sing for joy. Let, she's singing for joy. She's singing a new song. She probably understood one word you said. That's right. So here she goes. Oh, I love you. Woo. Let them shout from the mountaintops. Let them give glory to the Lord. And proclaim his praise in the islands. The Lord will make or will march out like a mighty man. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. For a long time, I have kept silent. I have been quiet and held myself back. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry out. I gasp and pant. I will lay waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. So for the people who want to say, when does God ever describe himself as a woman? Well, right there. Right there. A lot of times people go, God describes himself as a man. So that must mean something. Like God describes himself as an eagle. We're not worshiping him with bird language. Like, come on. Here. He's like a woman in childbirth. He's crying out, gasping and panting, and laying waste the mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. That describes a woman in labor. It does. It's, it's our most powerful, strong moment. I mean, you got You don't bring life into, the, into this world weekly. 
it's a miracle how we stand that last couple of kings before the head comes forward. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how we could take that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all God right there. Oh, yeah. So he says, I will turn rivers into islands and dry up the pools. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. But those who trust in idols, who say to images, you are our gods, will be turned back in utter shame. Hear you deaf. Look, you blind, and see. Who is blind but my servant, and deaf like the messenger I sent? Who is blind like the one committed to me, blind like the servant of the Lord? You have seen many things, but have paid no attention. Your ears are open, but you hear nothing. It pleased the Lord for the sake of his righteousness to make his law great and glorious. But this is a people plundered and looted, all of them trapped in pits or hidden away in prisons. They have become plunder with no one to rescue them. They have been made loot with no one to say, send them back. Which of you will listen to this or pay close attention in time to come? Who handed Jacob over to become loot and Israel to the plunderers? Was it not the Lord against whom we have sinned? For they would not follow his ways. They did not obey his law. So he poured out on them his burning anger, the violence of war. It enveloped them in flames, yet they did not understand. It consumed them, but they did not take it to heart. So I kind of want to go. It's not too long. I kind of want to keep reading to 43. Um because it doesn't end there. And I think sometimes when you end on those ominous judgment notes, it leaves this idea that that's what God's about. And and it's not because there's a connector to the next one. But now, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass, and I, uh, in a discussion this sky, in a discussion this week with, um, go play in the toy room. Go play in the toy room. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> go get mommy in. The in toy a discussion room. with with these couple of Christians on on a friend's Facebook wall who keep saying, um, you know, th- those, you know, those, this. What, Christians are the new Israel. Christians are the new Israel. Yeah, and I'm like, stop it. I said, don't you go declaring that God said something he didn't say. Right. So Christians are grafted into Israel. They're like, well, it's, you know, it's not about the Jews. And I'm like, you know, when, when God talks about them and he says Judah or Jacob and Israel, Jacob and Israel, Jacob and Israel, the earthly descendants, the spiritual descendants, it's always all together. It's not either or. It's both. 
Yeah. And and it, you know someone had because someone had brought up the God will you know I will curse whom who curses you and bless who blesses you. Right. You're like that's not about the Jews. That's about Israel. I said that was said to Abraham. Abraham's descendants, physical and spiritual. But you can't replace one with the other and act like you understand what you're talking about. And and he says, Jacob and Israel, both. Because when he's referred to as Jacob, it's the earthly man and what he did. And when he's referred to as Israel, it's the spiritual position that he held uniting heaven and earth and and being the one you know who would bring forth the tribe that that brought messiah right so he says fear not for i have redeemed you i have summoned you by name you are mine when you pass through the waters i will be with you and when you pass through the rivers they will not sweep over you when you will walk through fire you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Serba for your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give men in exchange for you, and people in exchange for your life. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory. And the amazing thing is, that can include everyone. Because if you give them up, and walk back with them. Yes, I do. You're part of them. That's the amazing thing. What verse? All you, that was verse um, six, 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 seven, six and seven. Six and seven. Okay. Yeah. All you have to do is just don't oppose him. Yeah. Get on his team. Don't be his enemy. Mm. Be his son. Be his daughter. Right. Right. It. It's quite beautiful. <laughs> You know, wouldn't it be neat if everybody just walked back together and said, why are we holding them back? Let's go. Whom I formed and made. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind and who have ears but are deaf. And, I let you know, they're all coming back and lead, lead those who can't figure it out. Just, just bring them with you. <laughs> just bring them. If they'll come, bring them. They may not be able to figure it out. They may not be able to see or hear it, but bring them anyway. Bring them along. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Which of them foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right so that others may hear and say it is true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there, will there be ones after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I, and not some foreign God among you, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. And that's what it means to share our testimony. It's to share our story of what we've witnessed. Yes, from the, and from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? 
This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake, I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your King. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and re reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor the jackals and the owls because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim the pra my praise. Yet I have not called upon, or yet, yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not brought any fragrant calamus for me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins, and wearied me with your offenses. I, even I, am him who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. That's a really powerful statement. He's saying, you haven't done any of the things that I commanded you to do. You have not been holding up your side of this relationship. You have not been bringing to me the things that would benefit you to bring them. You have burdened me with your sins and your transgressions over and over and over. And the Lord's response to that, I'm blotting them out for my own sake. Wow. I am not going to remember them against against you for my sake. Remember the past or review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State your, the case for your innocence. Your first father sinned. Your spokesman rebelled against me. So so I who I think is a reference to Moses there. Yeah, Mine says your interpreters have transgressed your against me. Sin and then your yeah. yeah. Mine says your interpreters too, though. Uh, well, your spokesmen are your interpreters of his. Uh, Adam. Okay. But then the spokesman, <coughs> if you remember when, when Moses, when they sent Moses up, because they all got scared when God came and encountered them on the mountain, they're like, you know what? You go up, you represent us. You you do the whole figure that out what you know and then you come back and we'll do it we'll do what you say. Yeah. And then he comes back down and they're you know with the golden calf and then he says I will go get atonement for you so he goes back up for another forty days. Um and he was he was their spokesman. So I think interpreters meaning all the people that you wanted to have be between us but I think I think he's specifically referencing Adam and Moses right there. Yeah. It could be both, right? Yeah, it could be, but I think that I think that oh, in the, the context, in he's yeah the archetype, and then yes, they all did it, but but he's saying you know you're you're, and I guess it is spokesmen. It does say spokesmen, but but it's 
you know, that was Moses a big included. example. Yeah, yeah. that was a big example. Until this day, there's a lot of misinterpreters. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, but, but what I was thinking with Moses was when he struck the rock and destroyed right. the picture of Messiah. Yeah, yeah. You know, he, because that was, that was rebellion. Mm-hmm. So I will disgrace the dignity, the dignitaries of your temple, and I will consign Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. And they, and they, and they did that. I mean, geez, all that time they were in Egypt and slaves and. Well, and then Babylon. This yeah. is before they go off to Babylon, and I, or, and I think that. I yeah, think that it, you happen to them a number. It's just you have to keep the mm-hmm. two things in in circular context. Mm-hmm. I'm blotting out your sins. I'm remembering your sins no more, mm-hmm. for my own sake. Right. But for your sake, you have lessons to learn to get you back to where you need to be. Exactly. So he's not doing it, and and this is where it's so important. He's not punishing them, right? Mm-hmm. Because punishment is I'm gonna you know. punishment is about making the people feel bad so they'll learn a lesson. And he's saying, I am not harboring any offense against you whatsoever. There is no vengeance going on here. This is not so that you'll feel bad. It's because this is the path you're choosing. And I'm going to step back and let you walk it. And I'm here. I'm not holding anything against you. All you got to do, all you got to do is turn around. You know, prodigal son, all you got to do, you turn around, I will run to you. But you got to want to turn around. Otherwise, it's just God chasing you. And and that's that's just not how, it, that's not the context of the relationship. It doesn't work that way because that is not the character. He'll pursue you, but he's not desperate. Right, right. He's God. You will either figure it out or you won't. But he's where he is. But the second you turn around, you're back with him. But if you want to run off, at a certain point it becomes enabling and toxic to make it safe for people to do bad things. Yeah. Oh, wow, yes. (laughs) And and that's, it's like when, you know, at the times when God says, the land is crying out to me, how long is this going to happen? Yeah. I've got to stop it. it. It has to stop now. This is as far as it's okay for you to do this. Mm-hmm. So, so it's it's a very different context than this idea. God was so mad at Israel that He made this happen. And he was mad. He was angry that this stuff was happening. But because of His character, He'd already He forgave it. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't out of angry wrath that He was doing it. Right. It was, okay, this is the next step. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. Well, kind of like us as parents, too, when we, you know, come around the kid and say, okay, you know, go to your room. That's where I want you at most of the time or something. Yeah. You, you're hoping that they're, they're thinking about the wrong they did. So since you've taken everything away, you've taken their electronics away, and they've taken their games, and, you know, just the things that they enjoy the most because you want them to concentrate on what they did wrong and how they might not go that way again or make that mistake again. Well, and then there's also, I, I think even more than that, all the times that we as parents of, of grown children mm-hmm. have to just hold our tongue and not hold offense and yes. wait. Yes. 
and just and wait and wait. let them do it and sit and watch. I mean, it's not like God was enjoying their suffering. Right. And, and yet he has that eternal perspective that he sees what's on the other side of it. He knows where it's going to be. And he speaks those words of, of hope to them in the midst of all of this. I'll bring you back. Yeah, but this is the path you, you picked. Go through something before you do this that. is the path you picked. He could pick, also pick the prodigal son as an example. Right. Because when he came back, the father could have said, son, I told you that. Yeah. I told you. Right. You and he did it. He said, you, you figured it out. left and did it anyway. Now look at you. He says, you he figured it out. That, You're back. You know? yeah. yeah. But instead, what he did? Kill the fatty cat. Kill yeah. a party. It's like you say. figured it out. You figured I'm it so out. I'm so happy to see you. And I guess that's where God is with us. When we yeah. figure it out and we come to him humble and ready and open. Yeah. 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 With says, love in right. our hearts. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do Let's it. Let's do this. <laughs> I've been waiting. I've been waiting for this. Yes. Yes. So I've got, so you want to talk about the Torah portion. Yeah. Because it starts off with, um, well, Jacob is dying. And, yes. Um, oh, wait, am I overstepping my bounds? Lisa, you feel so bad. <laughs> no, go ahead, man. <laughs> Jacob is dying, and he sends, uh, Joseph comes. Joseph is sent for. And then that uh, got me was when he went to bless uh, Joseph's two kids, Manasseh <laughs> and Ephraim. Mm -hmm. And the way Joseph wanted him to do it, the way he crossed his father's, his yeah. father's uh, hands and, and he put the one who came first, Manasseh, on the right hand and Ephraim on the well, left. He and had, then the father did this. Yeah, well, he had he had him like this because the right hand of mercy, the biggest blessing is supposed to go to the firstborn. Which was Manasseh. Which was Manasseh. Okay. And then Jacob did this. Oh, okay. Okay. Jacob put his right hand of mercy on the youngest son. Yeah. Okay. That's how it happened. And that's, and then Joseph was like, "No, no, Dad, you, they're over here." You know. Yeah. He's like, "No, no, Joseph." He said, "I know." Yeah. You know, he's the old man. He said, "I know what I'm doing." Yeah. Here. I know which way we're going here. Right. And he and then he told him why. You know, because uh, Ephraim was going to be more. of of, I guess the leader, huh? more of the stronger one. One of the things that I that I, in, I it was in the book that I was about the tribes. One of the things it talks about is that um, Manasseh was born before Jacob came to live there, and therefore okay. he was much more Egyptian in how he was raised. And that Manasseh had grown up basically at his grandfather's knee and and understood the things Ephraim. that Jacob had... Or Ephraim, I'm yeah. sorry, Ephraim. He grew up at his grandfather's okay, okay. Yeah, Ephraim had grown up at his grandfather's knee and Jacob had taught him a lot more than Manasseh was open to because he was much more Egyptian. Oh, I, I was wondering how that went because I was like, yeah. with all the responsibility Joseph had... Yeah. Did he have a lot of time to teach his children the ways, you know, because, yeah. and then usually the mothers are so involved with the kids, and she was the daughter of a priest of Egypt, mm -hmm. so you know she was mm -hmm. teaching them mm -hmm. her ways. And, and that, I thought that was a really interesting insight for yeah, why. Yeah, insight for why he was such a Oh, yeah. yeah. 
So he knew he knew that when it came to because the blessings he's giving them are for the kingdom and for the end of days, and he knew that Ephraim was going to be much more a much stronger force in that than Manasseh ever would. So what was interesting too is the way he called out. Um, like he started off with Reuben, mm -hmm. and he told him about himself. But that last part when he said he climbed onto my concubine's crouch. Yeah. Remember and, you were saying, what did he do when he went into the tent? Well. I think this kind of spells it out. Well, the the two theories are, I mean, there there is one theory that he slept with her. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the idea that he went in and just by sleeping, yeah, like he went in to be comforted by, he, he like he slept in there. Okay. Which prevented Jacob from going in mm -hmm. and sleeping with her. And the reason was Reuben as Reuben wanted, basically whoever he went into and slept with that night would become the new first wife in, in, mm -hmm. in the favored wife. And so he wanted it to Reuben be Reuben wanted mother. it to be his mother, Leah, Leah. who it should have been. Mm -hmm. But Jacob wanted to go from Rachel's tent to Rachel's servant's tent. Right. Mm -hmm. And Reuben was offended mm -hmm. on his mother's behalf. So then he's just so then he was forced to sleep with Leah. Leah. Yeah. Yes. And and that that and put then, her in that first status. So did he have sex with his aunt that night? Couldn't he just said, "Get out of her tent. I'm trying to get some." I'm well, if, yeah, but it it was probably. I mean, and who knows what the really? actual Lisa, dynamic was? Bring it back to modern language. I know. Well, and who knows? And who knows? I'm your father. You are going to listen to me, even if I gotta kick you out this woman. And and we don't know how. We don't know. We're not actually privy to what technically happened. Right. They may have gotten in a fight that night. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he, 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 it, he may have called him out and shamed him where people could hear. We don't know. I think yeah. he literally slept there. It's possible, but it would be really weird because she raised, she was one of the people raising him right. his whole life. And people who, people See, like their dads for babies. Yeah, babies I know, stuff. I know. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying... But look what I don't he know. says here. He says, you are unstable as water, so your superiority will end because you climbed into your father's bed and defiled it. He climbed onto my concubine's crouch. This, this, is, what, this is what the rabbinic notes say. Okay. Water-like impetuosity. It says, Jacob told Reuben, you lost your right to national leadership because of the impetuosity with which you rushed to vent your anger. Yeah. It says, it was hasty recklessness like that of fast-flowing waters which rush ahead and cause damage without a thought to the consequences. I like that. Therefore, you cannot be foremost. You do not deserve to serve in the superior positions that were designated for you. See, that's what they're kind of saying about, what's his name? Our incoming president. Yeah. You're a hothead. You're, you don't right. think clearly. And that's why we don't think you fit for the presidency because you could easily... You know, you kind of have, you leading the nation. You ain't just leading your temper and well, how, you know, you leading the nation of people. You got to think of everybody. You got to think of everybody. And you've got, yeah, you've yeah. got to expand your, your view. And he says, so that was from Rashi. And then it says, 
Targum Yonas and renders interpretively. So this is like a paraphrase of what of what he's saying. But because you sin, my son, the birthright is given to Joseph, the kingship to Judah, and the priesthood to Levi. So Ramban comments that Reuben was punished measure for measure. He wanted to prevent Jacob from having children by Bilah, who would share in the family heritage. His punishment was that he lost the firstborn share of the heritage. Wow. So the tragedy of Reuben is informative. He did not mean to sin. To the contrary, he thought he was acting virtuously in defending his mother's honor. Mm-hmm. Moreover, Reuben repented sincerely and was held up as a model of sincere repentance, but this did not save his status as the firstborn. A leader cannot be impetuous. He must think before his decisions and reckon their consequences. That's right. The Midrash adds that Jacob uh, comforted Reuben, saying that he was still a respected member of Israel and that Moses would bless him along with the other tribes. That's funny because he's just as guilty as his, as his brothers in an equal manner, which is why they didn't get it either. Right. They did the same exact thing for Right. Right. And well, on the next, it talks about that. You mean Shimon and Levi? Mm-hmm. Because they're all older than Judah. Right. And, and they, it passed through them because they were, right they on were through guilty them. of the same exact sin. Yeah. Except for they did it for Dina, he did it for his mother. That's what it says. Related. Thinking you're acting righteously to, to, to do something that you know, that to force something that you know is right instead of allowing God to do what he does. It is wait and yeah. give it time and see how it played out. Which is hard because... It um, is. Cause, cause so hard. <laughs> you see the generational iniquity in their line because it goes back to when uh, Jacob and Esau was stealing his brother's blessing and using deception to get it and God already gave them right the word that he was going to have it regardless so they got scared in that moment and was like oh we have to use deception and right and that to get right. what God said we were going to have yeah. rather than sit and wait and just and just be like okay Lord this is the problem what yep. you going to do to fix it because you said he was going to have it regardless yep well you know what though when they were when those two were being born didn't one stick the arm out and she tied the Midwife tied the scarlet yes. around yeah. the same thing. To me, being born, you say firstborn, I'm talking about the one who came all the way out. Right. And that would have been uh Joseph, right? Isn't he? No, no, that him? no, that was it was Esau. Esau did come because out. Because uh Jacob came out holding his heel. But God Oh, that's right. Sure did. Yep. Sure did. Yep. Yeah. And so, then Shimeon and what is it? Simeon and Levi. And Levi they were also eliminated. And then mm-hmm. this and it says they on. perpetrated the violence against Shechem, and they were the ones who instigated the sale of Joseph. Yeah, and what do they mean at their whim? They maimed cattle? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was. I thought that was interesting, too. Curse um, me their anger, for it has been fierce. Man, they were like... He, yeah, he, he basically joins them together in conspiracy and violence. Okay. Okay, so you know? that, that's why they... But, but in the other book that I'm reading, it also talks about how the reason for that was that they were very much about what is right. And, and, and they, they were legalistic, and they held themselves to a very, very legalistic high standard, mm-hmm. which isn't inherently bad, and there are blessings in the kingdom for them. Right. The problem is they held everyone around them to that same high standard, and they completely lacked mercy. Don't that sound like the Sadducees and Pharisees? Oh yeah, isn't that and lots they, of people today. They, they, they just yeah, lots true. of people we, today. We do that. We expect for and and we forget that 
as we did actually you know, believers that yeah. some people are still drinking milk, even though they've been drinking for a long time. Mm-hmm. They're not eating meat. And we got to be a little more gentle with those people. But there, know, there a is a standard. Yeah, just, there is a standard. Right. But, what I'm saying not, but we, don't, we don't get to be the judge of right. what someone else is living up or to. Or the enforcers. Because yeah. you've, seen, you've seen people like that. And they oh, get yeah. so mad with a person. He didn't do what was right. Didn't I tell you? And Well, and like, I, I always try to remember at the point where I'm saying, they didn't do what was right. I have just done what was wrong. Right. Now we're even. There you go. So, <laughs> I need to turn that back and focus on my attitude yeah. because I got to leave them to God. Because in my anger, I can't judge them righteously. I, I, I can't. You know, but when you, and, and because when you sit back with the right attitude and judge someone, you judge with compassion. Right. You, you know, like, like God was saying in, in Isaiah 42, I'm blotting this out for my sake. I'm not remembering your sins anymore for my sake. Right. So that I can, so that I can be with you. So that I so can also like a real life you. example for those two different types of judgments. So like mom's, you know, our oldest brother gets murdered and mom has two things to do. She could be like, seek out revenge on this guy and be really angry and judgmental. Or or she can sit back and help her family process it and try <laughs> to do what's right and extend love and, and understand that the people who murder, there's something broken in them. Mm-hmm. And, and our judgment isn't going to fix it. Right. So praying for God to heal what's broken in them, praying for for them to praying for them to get to a place where they both understand what it means to live with what they've done and are able to live with what they've done and maybe even turn it to something good. Yeah. You know, if we cut short God doing God work when we jump in, we cut short what God might be doing long term. And that's why you almost saying what I was saying back then. Because in my mind in talking to myself, I said, Marie, if you let anger overtake you and it's going to turn into bitterness and it's going to turn into hatred for this person and what good is that going to do you but eat you up alive? Right. You need to move toward forgiveness. (laughs) Right. And that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know who he was. Never laid eyes on the person. Right. But I wanted to move towards forgiveness because that would heal me. Right. Right. And my family. And and it wouldn't it doesn't do any good. I there is a place for the family, you know, the the I'm satisfied with the fact that God's his judge. You can't there's no way he can hide from God. And God know exactly where he is, why he did it, all the motives. You know what I'm saying? My friend and I years ago. We were watching a documentary about World War II, and it was talking about this general, this doctor general guy from in Japan. And the things he did made what the Nazis did look like kinder camp. Oh, my God. And we were just shocked and horrified. And, and we, both of us, both of us were like, well, at least we know where he went when he died. He got his. And then, and then the documentary says three years before he died, he became a Christian and he repented of everything. And we're like, oh, <laughs> I guess it's good. God was judging him and not us. Cause <laughs> oh, oh, well, um, I guess we take that back, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 
because God has, God redeems people from all sorts of deep darkness. And Thankfully. What? And that's what happened on those, I've seen two news reports like that, where women's sons were killed. Mm-hmm. The man who did it went to prison, got out of prison. One lady, he was living right, she helped him after he yeah. got out of prison. He killed her son, and he lived right next door to her, wow. and she helped him. She was a Christian, yeah. and she helped him to read and understand the Bible and everything. Because it, re- and now it they, redeemed what happened. It's like he's our new son. Right. They break bread together. They share the holidays. See, and I think, that's, I, I think that's, there's something really beautiful when that right. real change comes, right. because it, it almost, it's like it gives purpose and meaning to the loss. Right. Okay, you took my son's life, but now you have eternal life. And, and it redeems it. So, so in the, going on to the next one. Oh, okay, yeah, so here's the commentary on, it says at their whim they maimed an ox. And what, they, what it says here is Simeon and Levi sought to disable Joseph, who is figuratively likened to an ox, in Deuteronomy 33, 17, according to Rashi. So Ramban does interpret ox literally as a reference to the livestock of Shechem and suggests that not only did they kill the men of Shechem, but they killed all the cattle too. So, yeah. That's like blind madness, huh? Right, blind rage. It's an animal. I mean, the animal wasn't in it. I know. You would have thought after all that bloodshed of killing the men, they would be tired. No. So this is interesting. It says, Ha-Mek-Devar explains the difference between rage and wrath in the context of this verse. It says, rage was the fury that caused them to lash out when they lost their tempers. But even when the initial rage was spent, they remained wrathful enough to continue their destructiveness um, by killing the livestock. Wow. Rage and wrath. Oh, mm-hmm. Rage is a son of a guy. So then there's Judah, mm-hmm. who gets this wonderful blessing. That he'll be like a lion, the king of beasts. Yeah. Says, but when Judah blessed him, he was still a cub. For his greatest moments, when he would reign over the nation, were still in the future. Right. And he says, you combine the courage of youth with the prudence of age. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, and Judah was the one who tried to save his brother, huh? Yes. To save Joseph. Yes. He wanted him in the pit, but he was going to come back. I believe he was going to come well, back. Well, the pit was. Let's not kill him. Let's just put him in a pit. Yes. Let me buy some time here. Yes. So, um, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the things and that Yeshua had to be the Messiah, mm-hmm. because he says the scepter shall not depart from Judah mm-hmm. until Shiloh come. Yeah. And that was the generation where they stopped having someone from Judah rule. So if the scepter departed, then that means that Shiloh had to have come. So then we have uh, Zebulun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who precedes Issachar says um, says having having given a glimpse of the messianic era and of Judah as a fitting leader of the future house of Israel, the patriarch turns to his other children. He bestows his blessings upon each according to his particular role in the harmony of the twelve tribes, and that's uh, Abarbanel. 
Uh, and he says, although Issachar was older, Jacob gives preference or precedence to Zebulun because, as Rashi notes, Issachar's Torah learning was made possible by Zebulun, who engaged in commerce and supported Issachar. <coughs> Oh, so so the whole tribe of Zebulun devoted themselves to making money so that they could support Issachar's tribe as they studied Torah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, because they say we'll live at the seashore with ships anchoring along yes. his coast. Is border at Zion? It's 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 Zion, but Zion. Oh, yeah, because the 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 letter in Hebrew is the tss. It's the tss. Yeah, it's just we drop the T because it and, and make it Zion. Yeah, yeah. So although the simile of strong bone donkey and the references to land seem to allude to agricultural pursuits, a view indeed expressed by one sage in the Midrash and followed by several commentators, Rashi favors the traditional rabbinic interpretation that this reflects Issachar's spiritual role as bearer of the yoke of Torah and cultivator of the spiritual treasures of the people. And resting between the boundaries, it says the Torah sages toil day and night in their studies without formal rest, but they are spiritually tranquil. So between the boundaries, meaning on the way, you know, on the path we're supposed to walk, he has rest. So, um, let's see. Dan, judges people, one of the tribes of Israel, and would be a viper on the road. Yeah. yeah, just like you said. Well, and there's there's uh, a reference to Samson, mm -hmm. who single-handedly fought and defeated the Philistines. Oh, okay. he was he was from the tribe of Dan. Was he? Oh my goodness. Yep. Um. So the serpent on the highway, Rashi and Ramban apply the words of Samson, or the words to Samson, whose single-handed battle tactics corresponded closely to Jacob's description like a serpent leaving its lair to attack travelers and then slithering back to its hiding places. Mm -hmm. Samson waged a personal guerrilla-like war against the Philistines, catching them by surprise and going into hiding before they could counterattack. But then there's also the idea that he's at the back, um, at the back of the people. And then, so Gad. Oh, yeah, because uh, he... He was kind of like an outcast. No, right? Samson, yeah. He, yeah, he, he led, yeah, he went out. He, he had a unique and particular set of skills and personality traits that made him suited for his purpose. <laughs> which which I, I think is so important to remember because the qualities in Samson, most parents today would be trying to, to get out of their kids. But he had them for a reason. Yeah. And I think that it's beautiful that God balanced what he knew Samson needed to have with him being in an Atzerite vow from conception. Yeah. It's like, I might give you that extra measure of, of you know, of, of, of righteousness in this particular way because I know you need to be who you need to be to do what you got to do. And and God made him that way. Which is interesting because he never got married, right? Well, actually, he was he did get married and then his father-in-law had his wife marry his someone else while he was gone. But the the sages the sages consider him married to Delilah. 
because they were they were living together and and I mean the idea of marriage we have to remember that, that, that how we look at marriage today is is a different kind of institution and formal legal thing. I mean, it was formal and legal, but basically, if you were living together and acting like man and wife, it was common law marriage was a lot more respected back then. If you, if you lived together and presented yourself as husband and wife, you were husband and wife. The community respected that. Yeah. You know, I had someone ask me online, they're like, you know, talking about, well, why can't, when people are living together, why can't people just treat them like man and wife? Da, da, da. And, and my response was, listen, if, if you tell me, if you both tell me we consider ourselves married or, or I meet you and you never tell me that you're not married and you present yourselves as married, I'm treating you like a married couple. So what I see happen far more often is one person in the relationship doesn't want to be married and the other person wants everybody else to treat them like they are because they, they want to be married. I said, and then at that point, I'm not getting in the middle of whatever you guys got going on yeah. there. Right. <laughs> you know? I'm not going to treat you differently, right. but I'm not going to pretend like you're married when clearly one of you doesn't want to be married. Right. So don't ask me to play act with you. Yes. you know, I'm not going to be disrespectful, but I'm not going to pretend. Yeah, that happens sometimes. I've so, seen it where one, the one don't want to be married, and then later on in a relationship... The one that didn't want to be married, want to be married. The one who didn't, now don't. Yeah. Like, this is like, sort yourself out. <laughs> Listen to the bathroom. So, so then it goes to Gad. So Jacob went from Billah's older son to Zilpah's. Um, yeah, this one, a true... These are interesting to go through because a lot of people will say, you know, these are the curses that God put on the different tribes. No, these are their blessings. But those are actually their blessings. But the way that they're worded to us in 2016 English, it sounds really negative. Yeah. Like it is something bad. It's like, inside, you suck. And uh, you, nah. Pull it together, you know? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, it's the 2016 English that we have. That's exactly what it sounds like. You know, Asher, yeah, you'll have good bread. It's all good. You you couldn't quite cut it. You're going to be a cook. You're like the Gordon Ramsay of Israel. It's all good. Make some good food. You know, it might not be as important as you. But go back to Gad. I don't know why it sounds so negative. What does that mean? Well, for Gad. T-R-O-O-P is... For, well, for Gad, it says, Jacob went from Billah's oldest son to Zilpah's. Although the Gadites' territory was on the east of the Jordan, they nobly crossed the Jordan. Because remember, they said, you know, this land is good. We'll keep this. And they're like, no, we're not going to give you this land because then you're not going to help us. They said, no, let us build some homes for our family and some pens for our animals, and then we'll go with you. We won't come back until they're done. So it says, they nobly crossed the Jordan to assist their brothers in conquering the land. They fought the Canaanites valiantly and did not return home until the land was won. Jacob prophesied that after the conquest, Gad will safely will return safely on its heel by the same roads and paths upon which it had initially traveled, and not one of the troops will be missing. So basically, they all survived. Every single one of them who crossed over to help them went home. And and so that was that was their particular blessing. 
So Asher's land will be so rich in olive groves that it will flow with oil like a fountain, according to Rashi. And he will provide kingly delicacies, i.e. his rich produce will be worthy of royal tables and will be sought by kings, according to Radak. Wow. Asher was the second son of Zilpah. Jacob blessed Zilpah's younger son before Bilhaz in order to suggest that Gad would be free to devote himself to the defense of the nation because Asher would make available his rich produce whenever the Gadites were in need. Okay. So, which is a much more beautiful blessing than, than, than a, you know, an, an initial read does. So Naphtali. Having blessed Zilpah's sons, Jacob blessed Bilhah's younger son, and thus concluded the sons of the maidservants. Um, it says, a hind let loose. The simile carries the connotation of swiftness, for which Rashi offers three Midrashic interpretations. A, Naphtali's territory, i.e. its crops will ripen swiftly like a hind let loose to run free. B, in the war against Sisera during the time of Deborah the prophetess, the valiant warriors of Naphtali were nimble as hinds and played a leading role in the battle. And C, on the day Jacob was buried, the swift Naphtali ran with proof that Jacob, not Esau, was entitled to be buried in the cave of Machpelah, as suggested in Sotah when Jacob's sons came to bury him. Esau tried to stop them, claiming that as the firstborn, he had a prior claim to the last remaining gravesite in the cave. And he demanded, produce your deed to the cave. Thereupon, the fleet Naphtali ran like a hind to Egypt and brought the deed. And then for beautiful sayings, it says, based on the above three interpretations, the verse concludes by referring to A, Naphtali's beautiful praises to God and gratitude for the abundant crops. B, Deborah's song of praise to God for the victory in which Naphtali's troops were instrumental. Or C, the deed to the cave, which contained the beautiful confirmation of Jacob's ownership. So all three are beautiful and likely because that all three happened. Yeah, that's true. So, wow, he wanted that cave, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. He was still trying after all that. I time. know. I better get that right. I, I I'm entitled to that cave. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then Joseph, you know, is, is beautiful and does all these amazing and wonderful things. The thing about Joseph is this. Well, I guess that's how you make 12, huh? Because um, Jacob did say, your kids are mine, right? Right. Ephraim and Manasseh. Right. right. So some people say he that didn't, makes like Joseph is not a tribe. Like everybody else, they're, they're the son and they're they a tribe. But Joseph, because he had two sons, so he took, instead of saying the tribe of Joseph, is the tribe of Ephraim and Manasseh. Right. But he does bless so did he Joseph do that because he took them as his own. He said, Your sons are so mine. when you look on the in the in the Bible for the map, so that's of like, how they mapped out the land. Joseph doesn't have a plot. No, um, no, okay. no. He sure does because he had Egypt. Yeah. Um, he was embalmed. It, 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 it got me the way they uh, embalmed. Uh, oh. The forty so seventy days. They mourned days on Israel. Yeah, but 40 days from embalmment? Well, what yeah. the world do they do to a body that takes... Well, it, no, they, well, they embalm... I, because I, because they I think they have to... They, they, yeah, it was a much slower process, but they also, they mourn for that 40 days. Oh, so that's... But for him, they mourn 70 days. Okay. And then, did you see who all went out? 
Yeah, that Ooh. was amazing. What a crowd. Oh. They were crying. They would sit, I mean, sit shiver and cry and remember and yeah. just be silent and think about. And They were hurt and, a long distance. Yeah. With that. Yeah. But the, um, is it? Uh, where was that? Yeah, I'm trying to find it. So Pharaoh says, go up and keep your promise to your father. So Joseph went up to bury his father. This is Uh chapter 50, verse 7. And with him went up all of Pharaoh's servants. All of Pharaoh's servants. Check that out. The elders of Pharaoh's household. Yeah. And all the elders of the land of Egypt. Mm -hmm. All of Joseph's household. His Mm -hmm. brothers, his father's household, only their young, uh, only their young children, their flocks, and their cattle did they leave in the region of Goshen. And he brought up with him both chariots and horsemen, and the camp was very imposing. So, if they ever talk about the biggest funeral ever happened in the world, yeah, that had to be jo- uh, Jacob's Israel. Yeah, that had to be. Israel. And it was, and it was a grievous mourning for Egypt. Mm-hmm. So the Egypt. They, they must if they was grieving like that, they had to get to know him in that time that yeah. he came to Goshen. Yeah. They had to all get to know him. They must have really liked him. I, I actually believe that this was the Pharaoh who did away with the worship of the multiple gods and and worshipped only one god. Probably. Okay. And when he died the reversal in in the kingdom was really intense and they went full hardcore back to worshiping all of the gods wow um there was uh, several years ago they actually figured out that because there had been a lot of controversy over whether everything with moses could have even happened because moses you know is dated here Mm-hmm. And and the pharaoh that it supposedly everything happened with was was here, right? And then they realized that this pharaoh had actually gone and put his name on everything, mm. um, and and that the pharaoh that it happened with was back here, and and everything like it shifted how they were perceiving history, and it all lined up, mm. and they went, oh, oh, it happened here, okay. Mm. So, uh, but there is there is an, a pharaoh who only who worshipped worship one, god one god and made it outlawed to worship all the other gods. Yeah. And that's written in their history. Yes. Wow. And and that you know the timing. And they don't even talk about that. Oh, let me. We we learned about it in history, but. As a homeschool mom, I learned about it in history. I hadn't discovered it before then. Yeah. Yeah. History, I bet there's nothing written about what happened to them about all. Well, no, it is in their history. Well, there are references. There are experience. There, there are, there are some stories, and I don't want to quote them because it's been a while since I've read them. But there are references to things. There are some. There are stories. They're a little different. Their version is a little. Of course. Pointed and different. I bet. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's very interesting how. Um, how they interpret it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, well, it's very interesting how we don't really go back. 
the whole way we teach history in this country boggles my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even understand the point of most high school and below history teaching. It never made any sense to me. It wasn't until I got to college and was, was looking at things like in timeline and in chronology and in, in like this was happening in this country while this was happening in this country while this was, and I'm going, oh, now it makes sense. I get it. But there was also, there was also a, a woman pharaoh there, there were, yeah, it's a very fascinating history, you know, that, that, and the, and, but, and it's very interesting to me that the Egyptian gods are, are very, the stories are very much Cain and Abel and early <coughs> Genesis stories. You know, there were there was the mother and the father, and then there were two brothers, and one of them killed the other. And wow, yeah, and I'm like, I know this story. I had had a class that that was that was like, okay, we're not we're not going to go there with the religious stuff, but it was about comparing the Bible to interlinear stories, Mm -hmm. and that came from other places, Mm -hmm. and how they were like connected and similar. And yeah, I was like that's interesting. It's very interesting, and and I think that that by not a lot of people fear that that because then they go, well, then people are just going to think it's just a story. It's like, well, why is it that almost every people group in the world has a flood story? You know, do they all just decide that that would be a great storyline, or did maybe something happen? Right now. You know, is the story? You know, are there are there literal and not literal aspects to the story? As well? I mean, does it matter? You know, do, it's it's one of those things where I don't know. I I always feel like our need for history, our our needs for what we expect of history in in this day and age are very different. From the people, ex, uh, people's expectations at other times in history. Yeah. You know, does it have to be literally this many people? Maybe, but if not, does it change the story? Yeah. You know, it's, could it just mean all the people? Could it mean lots and lots of people? Was it, they liked hyperbole, you know, all the things and none of the things. And, yeah. and we want to know. I want all the names and I want to have, you know, the count. I want it caught on video from every angle. And, you know, but there was no video. So we've just, all we've got is the story. Let's take it for what it is. Let it be what it is. Try not to make it more than what it is. See what we can learn. Before they could write it down or put anything, they were, you know, carrying it by word of mouth. Right. Pictures. And let's be honest, storytellers, storytellers are going to capture the best moments. Yeah, you know they're not going to talk about the boring t- moments, and they're going to play up the exciting stuff so that people will remember the story. And the part that made them look bad, right? That, that made the Egyptians look bad. History is written by the victor. Yeah, history is written by the by the victor. You know, poor people don't keep records, and the winners get to tell the story. So, <laughs> Did you read that last one, Benjamin. Oh, Benjamin. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning devouring prey. Now, why would he call him a ravenous wolf? He's still dividing the soil. 
I was like, boy, Benjamin was a bit of I'm a bad boy. Like, what does the Hebrew say? Okay, so Benjamin. And you would think he did something horrible. You know? <laughs> Maybe that might be a good. You don't know. She That's what I'm anything. saying. I always yeah. wonder what the Hebrew says. Yes. English sounds so bad. I know. So this is this is the rabbinic commentary. It okay. says Benjamin's descendants, likened to a wolf, were mighty, fearless warriors. See, as depicted in the affair of the concubine at, at Gibeah, as was King Saul, a Benjaminite. Mm-hmm. who in his short reign defeated Moab, Edom, and Philistia. Right. The mourning refers to Saul, who rose as Israel's champion during the early years of Israel's history, when the nation began to flourish and shine. In the national evening of decline, when the people were exiled to Babylonia and Persia, Benjamin's offspring will triumph over Israel's enemies and divide the spoils of victory. This is an allusion to Mordecai and Esther of the tribe of Benjamin, who defeated Haman and were awarded his estate. <laughs> Oh, what? So Mordecai was a Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of Saul, I like when I was reading about Saul, I like the way they talked about his height. He was a pretty tall guy. Yeah, very imposing. Always see him above everyone. Yeah, I mean he he messed up big time. Stood out. Well, and he was the reason that because the king that he. The, the the king that he didn't put to death right away. Yeah. It was his descendant. Dad. That was Haman. Haman came from, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what Saul did mm-hmm. and, and you know, going back to the whole Shechem and giving God time to do things. Right, right. God waited a very long time to resolve that. Mm-hmm. And, and really Really and weird. yet, when he resolved it, mm-hmm. it's an even more powerful story. Mm-hmm. Now, Saul, because of his disobedience and because of what he did, mm-hmm. he got messed up. Mm-hmm. But God still fixed it. God resolved it. And, and yeah, we want to complain, oh, God, do it in this timing and blah, blah, blah. But God, God's good. Think God's mean because he says they think he's contradicting himself when they're like, oh, well, you know, I forgive you and I'll cross your sin as far from the east to the west and I'll remember it no more. And, you know, but yet, but yet he makes you live with the consequences of what you did. Well, and what, what would be the reason not be for right not? Away, but it's, it's going to happen. Well, and, and. <sighs> There's a point where it would just be enabling. If he took all, if he didn't hold your sins against you, if he didn't hold you accountable, but he didn't hold you accountable either, yeah. then we just all run around like idiots. Mm-hmm. I mean, not like we don't yeah. anyway. Right. But <laughs> I mean, it makes but it would be like he's saying it's okay. He's like, I, yeah, right. Because he's like, I forgive you. Because a lot of people think that God's forgiveness means do away. He did away with your accountability and responsibility. Also, right. Like, oh no, you're not held accountable and accountable and responsible for that. I forgive you. I and that's you. the difference between salvation and sanctification. Your salvation is God did it. You're saved. You're good. The sanctification is, and I'm going to grow you in maturity and responsibility and help you grow and understand so you don't do it again. Right. Because when you do it, it harms you. Yeah. It's not like it harms God. Right. I mean, it, it, it breaks his heart to see us suffer, but right. he stays intact. He's not wronged by it in, in that sense, you know. Right. He's not damaged. Yeah. 
But when you don't separate those things on, on this basic level that we're talking about, then you turn God into this bipolar, hateful, always angry at you. Abusive. Yeah. If you don't do it right, I'm going to, you know. Yeah, and you and then you're ruled by fear because yes. you for so then you're following God, seeing yourself as this righteous person, but it's only because you're being you're following His word through fear. Because right. if you mess up, you're gonna get you don't want to you don't want to deal with what happens when you mess up, so you're gonna get it right. Right. And one of the one of the most beautiful things was there was a woman on on a website I'm on, and as she was learning about grace and coming to understand God as a parent in a very different way. And she said, you know, if you'd have asked me 10 years ago, I'd have said, yeah, I love God. She goes, if you'd have asked me last year, I'd have said, yeah, I love God, because I was afraid of the consequences of if I didn't. Right. She goes, but now that I've gotten to know him differently, I'm like, not only is this a God I can love, I like this God. I want to be with this God. This God is amazing. How wonderful is this? What he's done for us is amazing. And It's kind of like... Um... In, in, in real life, you know, for me, my example would be my grandfather. When I was growing up, I felt like I barely knew him, and I used to have to pass his house to go to my house mm -hmm. to go home from school. And I trembled just passing him. He was this big old guy. You yeah. Know what I'm saying? And they said, that's your grandfather. Well, as time went on, and I right? got to know my grandfather more, then I know he wasn't he was such a scary person. Right. But just passing by him and hear, oh, Mr. Lawrence is a very strict guy. When you pass by, you better say good evening or good morning or he's going to check you on it, you know, right. stuff like that. Right. You know? so and so you followed on. the rules because you were afraid. Right. Yes. And then as you got to know and love him, then you want to say hi. I found out his rules because he loved me. That's why he had them. Mm -hmm. So that I wouldn't go astray. Or yes. that I would know. You know what was the right or what was right. Right. What, what was, was his standard? It was all yeah. It was all for now. And then and then there's the issue of we have to be careful as as human parents not to confuse our standards with God's. Right. And make sure that we're always pointing to God's, but we are allowed to have a standard. Right. And that's you know when I tell people it's not like it's not like parenting with grace means you have no standard. Well, my grandfather, a lot of his standards came right out of the Bible. Like, yeah. don't, don't lie. And, and right, right. The truth. And, you know, the old people back in the day when I was around, they would quote scripture at you in a minute. They were like, you know, what did God say about this? Oh, oh I know, but so often it, it ends up looking like jumping on the couch is a sin, is what oh, I'm talking about. Oh, like when people okay. want to have their house rules, oh, yeah. you know, you can, you know, even yeah. if you can back them up with scripture, it's not a sin to jump on a couch, you know. Yeah. And so a lot of parents mesh all that together, and then the kids are, are confused about... Oh, yeah. About what standard? Like they're so busy trying to reach the parent standard that they're not that they're missing. Okay. You know that, and that's that's all I'm saying is that you know we've making sure that, that it's kind of like the the traditions versus the laws. Okay. There are God commands certain things, mm -hmm. and then what they look like when we do them is our traditions. Yeah. And and so a lot of times when people think, well, if I if I stop. If I stop punishing or if I if I if I try and be more graceful, then there's no standard. It's like no, there's still a standard. Yeah. You remove the kid from the couch because you don't want him jumping on the couch. Yeah. But you also 
don't make that a bigger deal than it is. Right. <laughs> you know, people, oh, sinning child jumping on the couch. No, no, child jumping on the couch. Sinning being all these things over here that we also need to teach them. <laughs> and so realizing, but but I think what, what a lot of churches do is they confuse the church rules right. with sin. Right. Especially if you've done away with Torah and say it doesn't count. Right. Then you don't really ha- you. You know, you've got a few of God's standards that fit with your church culture, but then people run around thinking, well, if you do things like if you do things differently than our church does it, you're in sin. No, it's just a different church culture. You don't follow Christ. Right. Well, you can't follow. We'd all be in agreement if we all follow the same God. Well, we might be. You also disagree with me. You know, <laughs> I'm not the only one not agreeing here. You know. <laughs> So, <laughs> you know, the woman, the woman who was talking to me and saying, well, people in this group say they're Christians, but some people think differently about marriage and children. And I said, yes, but we let you join anyway. <laughs> yes. she, she did not appreciate that. I, I, I got some daggers coming at me from that one, but... <laughs> portion fits with even with Isaiah and what we're talking about you know he he held those sons accountable but he told them they would still get their blessings right from Moses Mm -hmm. but I gotta hold you you know in in, when it comes to the earthly things Reuben you can't be in charge you're not you're not qualified you don't have the temperament for it um Simeon Levi so not putting you in charge can't pass to you no Judah. And I love how... Maybe that's why Trump is in office. God is saying to us... Like there's a reason. to the Israelites, oh, you want Saul? You want a king? There you go. I, I think... Oh, you I want think, him? You think he's your savior? I believe you that we get... We, we choose the leaders who will take us. There you go. Have him. Yeah. We choose the leaders who will take us where we're going. And I he's God's doing something. Something. God's doing something. And yeah. I have to believe there's a purpose. Yeah. So I focus on he's kind of but I can do something kind of with settling down. Uh, we shall see bit, what happens. But I don't see. know what's gonna, it's interesting to watch <laughs> to see what happens. I, well I'm gonna go ahead and let me turn the, the recording off and then I'm gonna tell you guys he's about ter- something we're doing tomorrow. Right now, right now is what is